Hello, I'm Rosa Struncova, founder of The Polymer Week, and I'm happy to share our very first podcast with you. We have been thinking about doing our own podcast for a while. There is a lot we can talk about with polymer clay artists from all over the world. And in this time, we all appreciate inspirational content and some entertainment. We are really excited to invite people from the polymer clay community and share their stories and thoughts with you guys. Today, I'm happy to welcome our very first wonderful guest, Ginger Davis Elman from the USA. Ginger has been working with polymer clay for many years and she is a well-known artist to many polymer clay enthusiasts with whom she has been sharing her knowledge, tips and tricks, tutorials and inspiration for polymer clay, mainly on her website. Ginger, I'm really happy to have you here today. You have a very popular brand or website called The Blue Bottle 3. I know why you choose this name. It's really an interesting story. Can you tell our listeners more about that? Well, years ago when I was a child, my grandmother had a blue, a cobalt blue vase. And like kids do, I would roll around on the floor and hold it over my eyes and look through it. And it was just magic. And I loved that. And many years later, um, as an adult, and I was getting out of a rough patch of my life. And I realized that I needed that peace that the blue glass had. And so I still had, by that time I had that vase that my mother and my grandmother had left me. And um, that was the beginning of my collection. And I always had heard about blue bottle trees. Um, they're a garden decoration and they're, they're fairly uncommon around here, but you do see them from time to time. And I thought I needed, I needed to do that. So I built one and that was the beginning of um, the blue bottle tree. Do you think that it can be a little bit confusing for someone who is working in the polymer clay and then he might be, you know, wondering why this name, why this brand? You know, in the very beginning, I wasn't sure um, what I was going to be doing. I knew that I wanted to create and I wanted, this was back when I, I felt that I needed to have an Etsy shop name, like a lot of people do, you know, some kind of a cute name. And um, so we did a lot, my husband and I did a lot of, of, of talking and thinking about all different types of names. And I knew I wanted blue because um, that's my favorite color. And um, I finally just came back to the blue bottle tree because it could be anything. It doesn't have to specifically be polymer clay. And then, of course, everything kind of evolved from there. And it's a limitation. It is. But um, I've debated about switching and going longer. I mean, going with my name. But both the blue bottle tree and Ginger Davis Almond are long. So it's hard to know how to transition that. So I stick with it. So does it mean that when you started to thinking about some own projects, you were not sure if the polymer clay will be the main topic or you were, let's say, focused on wide creative things around this? In the beginning, I was, in the beginning, I wasn't sure where I was going to go with it. Um, I wanted to be um, more about seeking your artistic um, passion and uh, fulfilling your creative urges that I think a lot of people um, kind of hide in their lives. And I wanted to bring that out. But then polymer clay, uh, the community had a need and I seemed to be the one to fill it. So that's why, where that went. Yeah. And do you remember when, when was the first time you launched the website, the Blue Bot? It was in August of 2012. Things were different then. Facebook was just beginning. Well, I mean, it'd been around for a while, but most people weren't uh, it was just beginning to be, become popular and um, people were just beginning to seek hobby information on Facebook. And so that that was different. Um, the polymer community has been around for a long time. So I already was familiar with that. I've been working with Clay since 20, um, 2001 is when I started. And um so in the beginning, in some ways, it looked the same. It was about it was about the medium. Um, in other ways, I think the online architecture, online landscape, was very different. So when you when you have a look, or if you remember the very first 
way you were working online in that time, in the beginning of your projects. Can you compare it to the situation right now? What has changed and how does it look right now? Wow. There, there's, there's a lot of answers to that. One, one huge um, thing that has happened is the need to constantly create content to stay in front of the eye of um, the public. If you don't post on Instagram or Facebook for a few days, you lose relevance and you lose sales. And that means that 80% or more of what a creative needs to do has nothing to do with what they do. Uh, it ends up being um, content, videos and tutorials and posts and pictures, and that can be very frustrating. Do you sometimes feel it's like never-ending oh, yeah. story? Because from my side, it's just like it that. doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It's it's yeah. very frustrating, and there are days that I just wish it would all just stop because I I want to get in the studio and I want to goof around and and make stuff because that's that's why I got into this in the first place. Yeah, I know about you that you have so many incredible skills. And for example, you created the wall website on your mm -hmm. own, is that Yes, right? I did. I did. Yeah. All of it. So how much time does it take to, you know, take care around these things? Well, like any any time you have a business, you always have admin. You always are going to have, um, you know, everything from the accounting to, to you know, just normal admin. So um, luckily the website you know what the the hard part is actually the development but once it's set up it's not it's not so bad um maybe an hour a day that i can that i have to spend on it but when i'm actually developing something or building a new section it's all consuming i know that you have a website you have newsletters you are active on social media so what is the difference between your platforms you are active on That's a good question. Um, the website itself is thebluebottletree.com. And it is, it is really a library of uh, polymer clay information. And there are tutorials for sale, and that's how I make my living. And then there is also Blue Bottle Insiders, which is a membership program. And it's a special area of my website. And so that's separate. Um, And that is, um, now on Facebook, it's very difficult to be seen on Facebook and, and I'm sort of evolving what my content is and what my focus is on, uh, on Facebook. Um, it's, I have several Facebook groups and then on Instagram, Instagram, I try to share other people's work and, um, help it's really hard for for small businesses and and creators to get the word out there and i have a lot of reach so i spread the spread the love spread the joy and that's what i do on, a lot of on facebook and um my newsletters also i try to put out unique information um every time i i i, I do a lot of sharing of other people's work And I also try to write an article each time I send my newsletter out that has uh, helpful information, something different, something new, something that isn't in one of the other places. Wow, that's a lot. It is. I have to say. It is. Do you have any idea, you know, how many hours a day you have to work to keep it balanced so everything is running smoothly? I have a little trouble with being a workaholic, I'll admit yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I, I work seven days a week and I have for many years. And I, I don't take days yeah. off. Um, a lot of it is because you can't take some days off. You still need to attend social media and orders and customer service and things like that. But I work typically probably 60 to 70 hours a week. I work a lot. Yeah. Oh, my God. So do you have any idea how many articles and tutorials <laughs> you already brought during that time of your career? Oh, goodness. Uh, there are probably... It depends on how you count that. There are probably remaining on the on the website right now, there are about 300 articles. There's a whole bunch that I've taken off because they're not relevant or they were topical um, mm -hmm. at a previous time. Um, I have about 15 tutorials, um, but they're very comprehensive tutorials. They're not just quick, they're not just quickies. 
And as far as, but, and then there's, if you want to count social media posts, oh why <laughs> into the tens yeah. of thousands of that, that would be immense. I think we have to say for our listeners that you are one of those people who are sharing your own knowledge and you work a little bit differently than others. And I think that your side and your work is incredibly helpful for all those who need to know all details and, you know, know how tips and tricks for working with polymer clay. So how are you thinking about the topics that you would like to write about? How do you find the right topic? And for example, how do you say to yourself, this is exactly what I need to share with those who might be wondering about this topic a little bit? I think the biggest determiner of what I what I talk about and what I choose to write about has to do with what the need is for the community and what people seem to have a hunger for. Like right now, there are so many newbies that have come in because of this earring trend. Now, all of a sudden, the world knows about polymer clay, which is wonderful, but they're all hungry. And because they're working with the medium in a different way than, than people used to work with polymer clay, they have totally different questions. So I'm trying to address some of those um, because I feel that, it, you know, when somebody's trying to create, they shouldn't have to, I mean, it's hard enough pulling something out of your own heart and pulling out your own creativity without having to fail and, and worry about failing with the, the basic topics like burning your clay or, or learning how to condition. Those are things that are already well established. So why should they have to trip up on those easy things? So I figure get the information out there and help them. And talking about the earrings trend that is running around the world right now, do you feel or do you see that there is some transition happening right now? Something, you know, a little bit different than we are used to in the polymer clay community, in the center of people that are maybe more used to create only jewelry and more complex projects, I would say. And right now we see a lot of profiles and accounts who are devoting their work just to simply you know, earrings and work that is a little bit more modern, let's say? I think that the polymer community for many years has, I think, I, I hate to, this is a little, it's kind of touchy. You don't yeah. want to say anything bad, but I think that, the, I think that it has become a bit stale and it had become mm -hmm. a bit stale. And I think that, that there wasn't a whole lot of uh, new work done in the area of design, it, it tended to have a, a very specific polymer clay look. And this influx of new earring makers with their contemporary designs have brought in this huge, massive influx of fresh ideas and fresh design aesthetic. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I think I, I am seeing it start to an extent, to influence classic polymer clay. And I, I think that's wonderful. I would also like to see the classic polymer clay um, techniques and um, willingness to try anything. I would like to see that go into the contemporary, um, the new polymer clay um, world. Yeah. And I think, that it, I think that eventually when the trend starts to um, fade away. I think what will remain is a marriage of the two. And I'm really hopeful for that because I think that's, I think that is going to bring great things to get together. You know, maybe this is exactly what we mm -hmm. needed because as you said, for some time, it was a little bit same. Mm -hmm. We can, for example, see that when we have polymer clay events or we had <laughs> before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And I got that feeling that we saw so many teachers teaching the same projects, the same events, the same, you know, organization. And it was a little bit too much of the same. And this new era of beginners or people who are, you know, fascinated by modern style and these earrings and everything around that might be exactly what we need to change it a little bit and to bring new faces to this community, which is, you know, kind of necessary. I agree. Do you still find some time for your own claying and just simply enjoying this material? 
I should say yes. Um, this has been a really weird year, as we all know. You would think that I would have had a lot more opportunity, um, you know, during the pandemic to have more time to myself to create, but it's actually been much more difficult for me because there has been, there have been so many new people coming in and there's been a lot more demands on my time. So I really haven't had the opportunity to, to create as much as I want to. Last year, um, last spring, I did the 100 Days uh, project. And I did a vessel project mm -hmm. where I, I made a vessel every day for a year for, I'm sorry, every day for a hundred days. And it was really, really uh, gratifying. I loved it. I loved finally having the time and making the time to, to create. And ever since then, I've been itching to get back to some of the ideas that I started then. And I'm, once I get this, um, Polymer Clay and uh, Blue Bottle Insiders um, wrapped up. I want to dive back in and continue yeah. on some of that. Yeah, you know, I know exactly what you are talking about. And it really makes a sense that right now, in this time, in this year, you have much more things to do because the world simply, you know, get out of the offline world to the online community. And we can see that many teachers and Many people working with polymer clay are focused just on the online stuff. So they are hungry for articles and tutorials. So do you feel or maybe do you have that feeling that many new people are coming to your profiles and websites and there is a lot going on? Yeah, I'm having a, I'm having a lot of new, um, new readers new customers, new, um, new people who are fascinated with this medium. And, and I, I, I didn't I really enjoy that. That's fun. You are based in the USA. Do you see any difference between the polymer clay community in the US compared to European and maybe perhaps Australian and Asian? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Each region has its own uh, style, if you will. And I, I find that I find that kind of interesting because it's not like people are getting together in person to to make things and they're especially not now yet the people um there is a strong earring community in australia there's a strong earring community in singapore and the styles are very different uh the uh in the us it's the earring community has one specific style and then the classic polymer clay community has a, has a very different and very specific style. So yeah, the styles the styles are very different by location. I don't know how you think about it because I'm from Europe, you are from the USA. So what do you think is the main difference? Maybe in the style, maybe in the way of working or in the community between these two? I've given a lot of thought to that subject. And I think that the design the quality of design that we are surrounded with in our region shows in our architecture. It shows in the fonts used on signs. It shows in um, the style that graphic designers in a region use for the advertising. So we all have been exposed to design from the time we were small children. And that is regional. That is, um, and especially, um, certainly in my age group, because we didn't have the internet when I was, when I was growing up, uh, things were definitely very regional. And I think that those, I think that that informs people's design sense. So I, I see that Europe, possibly because of just the existence of a rich architectural history that is far, far older than the, than the history that most Americans have been exposed to. I think, I think people just naturally absorb a different type of design aesthetic. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, this is a little bit tricky because we both are trying to speak in a way <laughs> nobody will get angry. <laughs> I can feel that. <laughs> 
from my side, <laughs> as somebody from Europe, from yours, somebody from States. Well, I'll tell you how. One of the things that one of the things that I think is really important is not so much an, a, an emphasis on design. Design is important, but I also see a difference in the emphasis on excellence. And I believe that everyone is going to be happier if they create something with excellence. And yeah. I, I think that, again, again, that I think that does also um, come from your background. There are areas of the world that are neater and cleaner than others. And, um, mm -hmm. and um, I think that that reflects in the work. What do you think that is your main inspiration in the polymer clay art? Mine personally? Yeah. Oh. I don't know that I look to polymer clay art specifically for inspiration. I think that I look everywhere for inspiration. I have my own mm -hmm. particular aesthetic. My own particular aesthetic is um, probably fairly similar to yours uh, with uh, clean lines, uh, broad open spaces, minimalist. Yeah. And um, that's, that's my own personal take, but I love bright colors. So I tend to be interested in clean lines and bright colors and gradients. I find them constantly in my work. And do you remember what was the very first thing you created from this material? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I do actually. Um, was it pretty? It was probably or? a frog or something. <laughs> yeah. um, the way that I found polymer clay was I had little kids and little kids always need to be kept busy all the time or you're going to go yeah. insane. And one of the ways that I found things to do was to, um, was to go to Michael's and wander around looking for crafts to do. And I found a Sculpey kit and I thought, mm -hmm. oh, this will be perfect for my son. Threw it in the cart, took it home. And he kind of looked at it and was like, yeah, whatever. And <laughs> I was fascinated. <laughs> I was utterly fascinated. And I, I don't specifically remember, but very quickly, uh, you know, don't remember what I made, but very quickly we got online because there was an internet by 2001 and um, got online and we looked at, at, Things, so I think we made, we covered pens and we covered switch plates and votives and little things like that. And I remember making beads. So I guess that you stole them the clay later and they probably got tired. Oh, exactly, that, right? exactly. Um, yeah. But my, my kids did work alongside with me, alongside me for, for years. Mm -hmm. um, they're all, they all know how to know how to work with clay. You know, the funny thing is that so many people have the very same story that, you know, they're as a mom simply found the clay in the store and then tried it with the kids and continue on their own. So this is really lovely how the kids, you know, can bring you any different kinds of material to work with. So I have to say that my story is a little bit same because I was a kid and I just saw it at my cousin's. And I just wanted to try it on my own. So I asked my parents for that. So that was the very start. The strange thing, or I would say that we all hate to talk about polymer clay in that way, but so many people just have that opinion that this material is something for working with kids only. And when you are in the community and when you are, you know, more into this material, you actually realize all the potential that it has. So what are your thoughts? And for example, have you met someone who might have the same opinion and how do you deal with that? I, I think I just kind of skip right over that. In, and if somebody were to tell me that it's just for children, I would, I would say that a medium has nothing to do with, you know, a lot of children's media. Uh, acrylic paint is used by children and yet we still artists still use it so it depends on how how um how it's used anything can be a medium anything can be an art medium and i think that um 
one of the beautiful things about polymer clay is that you can work with it on multiple levels. The same material is for children. It is for hobbyists who just want to goof around and make something on the weekend or who want to be fine artists showing in galleries. It's the same medium, the same techniques, um, the same, same processes. And I think it's really important to learn about the medium. And I also think that it's great because you can work together with somebody and find a common interest regardless of your goal. So I, I enjoy, um, I love the fact that people who are fine artists can sit down and have a great conversation with somebody who's just goofing around making something silly on the weekend or covering some pens or something. And they still can, can, can share their time. They can share their ideas, get to know each other. It's not like it has to be exclusionary. So when somebody asks you what is your job and what is the thing that you are doing several hours a day, what do you say? Oh, that's a hard one because how in the world do you describe what I do? Um, most people, most people nowadays are completely—they're starting to become aware, but most people are are unaware that you can actually make a living online. Well, why would you do that? What do you sell? Yeah. I sell tutorials. Tutorials? What are tutorials? It's just, I don't even go there. Just don't even go there. If I'm talking to somebody that's a total stranger and like my neighbor with some new people moved in and he's, oh, what do you do? And I said, I'm a writer because they know what to do yeah. with that. Because I learned if I say I'm a teacher, they go, what grade do you teach? It's like, no, no, that's not going to work. I'm not, I don't do that. But if somebody is actually interested, I'll tell them what I write. I'll talk, I'll, I'll talk about what I do. And people then are usually quite fascinated because it's a, it's an interesting topic. Wow. So what about your family? Do you remember what was, for example, their opinion when you started thinking about making a living by working in this field? Well, it was a few years ago that my brother um, kind of talked to my dad and said, well, she's not really doing a job, you know. Then dad's like, no, <laughs> it's it's a real job. It's real work. So um, I, I think that people did assume that I'm just goofing around. You know, it's a, it's a little bit, it's, it's a little bit like um, the old thing about um, sewing for pin money. I don't know if that translates, but just, you know, taking in sewing and doing a little bit of stuff just for a little bit of money. What were your job before? You were working in the computer stuff? No, stuff? I was, my original, my education is, I have a master's in biology, in, in microbiology, and I worked in uh, labs doing molecular biology research. And um, I used to, now, now I think people understand what molecular biology is, but back then I just said that I take little bitty scissors and I cut up DNA because that's what I did, kind of. And um, so I did that for quite a few years. But then when I got divorced and I moved back here to Missouri, um, there is no, there's no research facilities here. So there was no way to continue in that line of work. You already had the polymer clay in your life? No. I learned, um, I've always been a serial crafter, uh, like a lot of us. I did one thing and then the next and then the next. Um, I actually am a pretty good seamstress um, into knitting, you name it, I've done it. Um, but no, polymer clay came actually just about the time that I got divorced. So 2001, yeah. And talking about that as a full-time job, maybe I'm sure that so many people are curious, how is one able to make a living by that? Anytime you have your own business, regardless of what the business is, regardless of what the profit model is, it's always a full-time job. And it is always more work than anyone can do. That's, that's one of the hallmarks of a, of a small business, especially if you're a solo person, is that you, you, do, you do more work and more work and more work. And it gets to the point where there isn't enough you 
to go around and you need to start hiring people, but you're not yet making enough money to hire people. And it's, it's a catch 22 and you end up in that, in that bind. And that's when a lot of companies start getting outside funding and things like that, or they sell their company or they quit. When you say somebody that you are, for example, self-employed and that you are a writer or anything, they probably imagine just the one thing that you are doing every single day, just writing articles, working on your website, for example. But as you say, there are so many different skills that you need to be someone, a successful entrepreneur or, you know, someone who is able to make a living in this way of working. So what do you think that was really necessary to learn during your career? I think the ability to write has been really important because you can't convey ideas accurately and well if you can't write well. Um, and writing, you get better at writing by doing it. When I first started, I really, I look back at the things I wrote in the beginning and it's like, oh my, I really, mm, yeah, I had to learn a lot. That was one thing. Um, also, I have to give a hat tip to my husband because He is a business advisor. That's how he has, he's done most of his, his life as a business advisor and a project manager. And he's also a real nitpicky kind of guy, which as a wife, dude, let up. <laughs> But let me tell you, as a business partner, as an advisor to me, he has been instrumental in making me understand the importance of doing a good job. And that, I think that that, Uh, professionalism is really, really important. And I think a lot of people just don't have that skill yet. So it's, it's a, it's really important. If you are gonna, if you want to make your way, uh, selling your own art or running your own business, it's, it's important that you know how to present yourself in public. And that doesn't mean you have to be formal and stodgy because different people have different a different way of being. Um, some people are very expressive and silly and that's their thing. That's their image. That's their brand. And that works. So there, it's, you know, whatever it is that your brand is, is fine, but it needs to be authentic and it needs to um, be consistent. And I think people um, don't really understand that. So I'm glad that I was taught that early on. So I assume that next to writing, you also spent a lot of time taking photos working on your website and programming, uh, doing some graphic design, being basically a copywriter for your social media posts. Then maybe we have something with a video or audio right now for a self-presentation. Is there anything else? Maybe um, well, I forgot. Accounting, you have to know how to do that. The whole yeah. business side. And then Invoices. all of the marketing. So like email marketing. Email marketing is a whole yeah. other layer of... Um, Uh, knowing about cascades and automations and knowing how to fit that all together. That's, that is nutty. Um, and the graphic design, believe it or not, is hard. We forgot customer service. Yes, forgot that one too. And yes. speaking with people and your customers with email. And we both know that when you are active on social media and online, you basically get messages on every platform. So you basically need to stay active 24-7 to make sure that everybody get the answer as soon as possible to make them happy. So this is all really tricky. And, you know, sometimes I wish that it would be visible because, you know, followers or maybe a family and people outside They see only the presentation, the thing we post and we share. But this whole world behind, this is, you know, really hard work. And, you know, that would be really nice to show them the behind the scenes in some way. What do you think? Yeah, I think it would be nice for people to know. And I think that I also think that it's something people don't expect. So when when they do go into business for themselves, they don't understand that all of this other stuff is also necessary. So this is where we see a lot of, um, I'm sure you've seen the post where somebody starts their Etsy shop and they put their first 50 things up and then they don't get any sales and they don't know why. Well, because you you're you have to drive it all you have to so i do wish it were more visible so more people were aware of it 
Um, I'm also becoming a little bit jaded about it because it annoys me because it's such a waste of time. And it, it, I, there are people who I want to serve, people I want to help, people I want to share this story mm-hmm. with, this medium with. And they want to learn and they want to learn from me. And I would love to just be able to do that. But I can't, I can't get that yeah. out there without going through the game in the middle of Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm mainly Facebook and Instagram, and they've created this dynamic. I mean, 15 years ago, you could just find a blog. You could use RSS. You could you could connect up with, um, there were blog roles. That's how you found other people. And nowadays you can't. There's this game that we have to create content for these platforms, and they just sell our data. And we're getting nothing from it. And it's it's a game. And I, I'm becoming annoyed with it, which is why I did the um, mm-hmm. Blue Bottle Insiders. Yeah, it's like constantly trying to reach mm-hmm. a wide audience to be seen, yeah. let's say. And this is, as we said, never-ending story because there is really no end. And when you start some project and finish that, then you can continue with another one. And it's just like a full circle, I would say. So are you in the position where you feel like that there is a part of your work that you would like to give to someone else to be done? I do. I have just started to pass off some work. Um, I have a VA who um, does some work for me. And... Um, Unfortunately, part of the problem is that a lot of the work that I do is one-off. It's not something that I can formalize and um, put into a protocol and say, do this. Um, It's different every time. So I have a lot of judgment that I have to do on each individual project. And it's not the kind of thing that you can pass off easily. And it's also... At least in my experience, it's not even easy to share the work with someone because you constantly get that feeling that you are the one who can do it in the best way, in the best possible way. And now you are more aware that you need to share the work to do a little bit different things and to move on, you know. So do you feel that, how do you see the blue ball tree and your career, let's say in five, 10 years? And you can dream dream. a lot. (laughs) Well, I heard somebody say something a while back that really made an impact on me. They said that a creator needs to make sure, a a creative entrepreneur needs to make sure that they are Mm -hmm. doing voice and vision and everything else they pass off to someone else. And I would like that to happen. I would like to get to the point where the only thing I'm doing are the things that are voice or vision. In other words, my articles, mm-hmm. um, uh, lining up what I want to accomplish for the business and, and for the brand and for the, you know, for the future of polymer, if I can influence it. Um, I would like to be doing yeah. more of that in the future. I'm sure that you wish to work with the clay and enjoy the material itself. A little bit more, right? You know, that is actually something that that I'm hungry to do. Is I have worked, I've done a lot. I mean, obviously, we all have worked with this material a lot, but I have begun to explore the the edges and the fringes of this material, and I would like to push that a little bit more. I would like to focus more on what the material itself can do. In other words, instead of rolling it out mm-hmm. uh, uh, on a in a sheet and using it just as a canvas, I would like to explore what is possible with polymer that isn't possible with other materials because it does have its own unique unique mm-hmm. um, charms. And I would like to. Exp- that's probably where my personal um, desire is to go to. I'm absolutely fascinated with translucent and there is so much that can be done with translucent. Um, I've been working a lot with flow of the material and the way the material flows. And I'm, I'm fascinated with shaping and flowing the material. 
And I would like, I'd like to see more of that in the future. You said it's not about writing the notes, but it's about way of yes. thinking about the material. And I have to say, for me, it works in that way that when I see someone working with the clay, I focus not on the project itself, but you really focus on the details. You see the construction, you see the edges of the project, of the chevel, you see how it's done, you see the backside, you may see some combination of techniques or materials. And this is something what, in my opinion, someone who is working with polymer clay should focus on. Because at the end, if you are not doing this, you end up by doing exactly the same step-by-step projects. And, you know, it doesn't make any difference at the end because you are, you basically learned the project itself, but not the way of playing in this way. And I, I also think that teaching project and technique-based courses leads to an unease about the idea of copying. Because people don't understand how to create, they only understand how to do the steps. And then they do the steps and then are mystified. Well, but this isn't mine, this is hers. So, and then, well, can I mm -hmm. sell this? Can I, is that, and then they're lost in that. And, and I, I think that that's an unfortunate side effect of this teaching style, because if you're creating from your self, with the knowledge and understanding that you've developed about this medium, then you're not going to copy anybody because it's going to be your own ideas. You know, it, we all know how to talk. We all, we, we all learn, we have ideas in our head and we naturally just blah, 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 and it comes out our mouths. Art is the same way, but we are stuck because we, we don't understand. We forget that we can have an idea and it can just come out through our fingers as effortlessly as we speak. And I think that we we have so many emotional hangups about that subject that that people are just stuck and they, they feel that they need a teacher to lead them by the hand. And no, it, it, none of us had a teacher that said, you move your mouth this way when we learned to speak. You just had an idea and it came out. And I think we need to develop more ease around that, if that makes sense. To me, it feels like that the hardest part about that is to change the way of thinking of all those polymeric clay people in this community, because I'm sure that there are many of, let's say, attendees of classes and people who are, who are happy to learn from others and going and visiting these classes and workshops. But I also see so many ladies, mostly ladies, who are desperate to see exactly the step-by-step -step project and tutorial. And when it's the opposite, they can get angry about that because that's not what they expected. So the way of thinking about being an attendee or let's say about teaching a class would be really nice to change a little bit, but this is something that it's so hard to do. It's difficult right? for people to vision, to envision something that they've never seen an example of. And it's yeah. not just the teachers, it's the students who also are, I don't want to say blame, I blame is the wrong word, but that are, that hold the misunderstanding. Um, mm -hmm. and, and also don't forget, there are different types of learning styles, different people learn differently. And then also different people have different goals for working with polymer clay. Not everyone wants to be an artist. A lot of people just want something pretty to make on the weekend. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if we can... That's exactly what I wanted to say. If we yeah. can give someone the tools to do that, then, hey, cool. That's great. So maybe that means that in the community of polymer clay, we have a part of people who are happy to simply have the polymer clay as their hobby. And they really want to be a part of those classes. It doesn't matter if they are online or offline. But that's the goal, to be there, to share and to be with others who are connected in that in that community. And then you have the second part of the students who might be, who, you know, their goals might be a little bit different. They would like to follow 
this medium and they would like maybe to get somewhere and to find their own style, become a teacher one day, anything like that. So maybe we are talking about this second part of the community, you know, like you, there are so many people who are sometimes asking questions, how to become a master. And there is just, you know, no tutorial, no guide. It's just by doing that, right? I, I would say so. I mean, it's, if you want to learn how to play tennis, you need to know the rules of the game and you need to play a heck of a lot of tennis. Nobody learns how to play tennis by sitting, by watching tennis being played. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, so I do think yeah. that it's real important to make, to do. And if somebody wants to be a master at something, I mean, there are different aspects of mastery. You've got, you've got, um, hand mastery, you've got technical mastery. Um, a lot of mastery actually has to do with perception, being able to see, being able to, um, to, to see what you're looking at. Um, and you're only going to, you're only going to become a master at those types of things by doing them repeatedly. Exactly. There's no shortcut. And with the pandemic situation, when we see that so many things actually we took for granted before and now it's something we would love to do again, you know, meetings, hugs and jobs and our health. Do you feel like that the Polymer Clay community will be able to get back to our normal, to going for classes and things like that? Or we, or maybe we will have to adjust to this new standard and teachers will teach mostly online via Zoom and others? I am actually quite pleased with many of the changes that have come about because of the pandemic. Um, I think that the globalization of our hobbies, of our communities, is absolutely fantastic. I mean, you and I have known each other a while. Um, because of travel, I got to meet you gosh, a year and a half ago now. And so I've always been, people like us have always been aware that there is a globalness to this community. But I think a lot of other people are just becoming aware of, oh my gosh, somebody clear across the world has a life just like mine. And oh my gosh, language really doesn't matter that much. And we, we, we find a way to communicate and I think that I think that um, I, I have spent more time talking with people in the last year than I spent in the previous 10 years, because now everybody recognizes that we have these wonderful tools that we can use to create connection. And I think that going forward, we're going to have a lot better uh, blend of that. I think it'll be a nice hybrid. I will love to be able to travel again. I have grandsons in the UK that I have been missing and I can't see them grow up. And that, you know, obviously that is annoying. Um, and I think that our, our world will, I do think it'll, it'll, some of it will go back to the same, but I think a lot of it will never will. And I, I think that's a positive thing because I think some of the things that we've learned are going to stick with us. At least I hope they do. Yeah, it's like a forbidden fruit. Like right now we can't meet or even see each other and talk. So maybe as you said, we are more desperate to find a solution to be connected in a way. So this is really a nice thing. And I have to say that even doing podcasts and more content that people can enjoy to feel a little bit more a part of the community and the people around it's a really good way how to do something new and do some change in the positive way. And maybe as you saw, many teachers started to teach online. So is it is this something you would like to try to really do, for example, a Zoom class for several hours? If I do, if I do it, well, I, I, I will be doing that. I mean, it, that's just where things are going to go. And I've been planning that actually for a long time. Um, I just got really busy this past year and didn't get working on it. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be doing that, but I won't be doing it the same way that other people will be doing it. I'm always going to have a different yeah. way of, uh, of approaching the topic. So how important is the quality <laughs> for you? Because 
I'm a little bit wondering. I haven't been a part of any class, online class yet, of other teachers, but I'm wondering if they are just simply working with their iPhone, trying to shoot the video and different angles, or if they are trying to find a way, exactly as you, to make it really high quality, to make sure that people on the other side of the planet understand you and they know what you are doing with the polymer clay exactly. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't watched um, any online courses, uh, so I'm not. Um, but I can say that the format that we have in our mind of how we think a an online class should go is not necessarily what's best. And I think that we have a whole new medium here with video and um, live connection like this. Um, and, and I think that means that we have a lot more opportunities. We have a lot more, uh, a lot more things that can be done. And I think that as I think that's important. For example, who says that we have to sit for an eight-hour class on a Saturday? You know, you yeah. had to do that when you had to travel. But if you don't have to travel, why are we sitting in front of a video for eight hours? We shouldn't. There, are, there are you know, and that's just one small example. So, what other ways? How how else could we formulate a learning? opportunity for people that is going to get a that's going to create a better result that's going to be uh more interesting more fun more and, and that will allow better learning there's a lot of there's a lot of possibility there i think that a lot of teachers might be you know a little bit worried about the technique and equipment that you need to make class like that to teach online But as you said, it's about figuring out the concept of teaching that will be, I would say, fresh and something new, but also really fun to do because I can even imagine myself or I can because I do that in my school, but it's really hard to focus on some video or some teacher for eight hours by sitting in front of your computer. It's, this is something that can't be done. Otherwise, you don't want to enjoy it. Is there something that you maybe wish that would be a little bit different in the community you are working in? I do. I would like to see less competition. It, it is less between, competition between, between teachers and artists. Um, mm -hmm. People tend to be so territorial. And they tend to be, it tends to be, uh, they think of it as a zero-sum game, that if I win, that if you win, I lose. So therefore, people are very, people tend mm -hmm. to be competitive. And when you're dealing with a small town that only has, let's say, 5,000 people in it, and you are the, you're a shoe store, and another shoe store opens up, that, that cuts into your profit because there's only so many shoes that can be sold in that town. But there are seven billion people on this planet, and there it's unlimited. It's essentially unlimited. Your customer base is unlimited. So why are we not sharing and sharing and sharing and sharing? Why are we not helping each other excel? Because what our customers, our 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 people, um, our students, and our customers are are going to be drawn to the people they resonate with. And therefore it's, you're naturally gonna, it's, there's naturally gonna be some sort of a segmentation where uh, students will be drawn to the teacher that they that they're interested in. So the best thing you possibly could do is get your name out there. And the best thing you can yeah. do for your, your colleagues is to get their name out there because the customers will figure out where to go. And there's an unlimited supply of customers. So why is it that people are fighting and saying, I made that. That was my idea. You can't do that tutorial because that's the no, that's mine. And this ownership is driving me nuts. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about take my photographs, please. 
resell my tutorials. I'm not talking about that. You know, I think the problem is that the community or people there doesn't see the difference between the copyright and the good of sharing. Because otherwise, if we will not share and if we will not show what we do and how we do it in the way of polymer clay, there will be no more of polymer clay people, no more polymer clay fans and people who really love this material. And I think that those teachers and people who really try to treasure their techniques and piece of jewelries and way of doing might not see the opportunity that we can have exactly as you say that if we connect and if we are open to our you know ideas and ways then we can create a wider community that means more customers and more people and exactly. you know more yes. more money for a living and more of everything yeah i agree completely it's um yeah i do think that people get it confused um people forget that they don't understand the difference between a design and a technique and, and the difference between a technique and a tutorial, mm -hmm. a body of work. Um, my tutorials, 100% are copyright me, only me. I'm the one that I made it. I, made, I wrote every word. Yeah. I took every picture. It's all me. That's my intellectual property. And therefore, I have the right, I retain the right, I have the right to determine how it is copied. That is what copyright is, is who owns the right to control the copying of it. And when you're talking about an, a, um, a technique, if you if you come up with an idea or a technique those those are not something that you can control the spread of you can't control the spread of an idea if you tell an idea to someone else the idea doesn't get duplicated and and the, so you can't control the copying and, and techniques are the same way um, if I come up with a technique and then I show it to you and then you show it to someone else fine where it gets sticky is the fact that when you are sh when you're making a living selling a tutorial like i do if someone were to take those ideas and spread them you know how much can they spread i mean i have a tutorial on baking polymer clay we all know how to bake polymer yeah. clay why there's nothing you know, so does that mean that I own the concept? Of course not. That's silly. That is absolutely silly. I own the tutorial. You can't copy the tutorial and, and, and redistribute it because I control the copying of that because I own the copyright. But nobody owns the ideas. But at the same time, we also have to have a certain amount of courtesy because if somebody has a, if somebody has a class uh, showing how to do something, like uh, um, any number of the, the 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 instructors that we that we know, and um, they have a class showing how to do something. If one of those students goes out and and shows everybody else how to do that, that deprives that teacher of their income, and that's just mean. And I think we have to have I think we have to have courtesy, and we have to have decorum, and have to have good manners. And I think that. We all know if this is right or wrong. I mean, you know if you're copying. You know, there's to me this isn't even this isn't even a question. We all know that. But I think that people do get confused because then they feel that if they if they talk about something, oh no, I can't talk about that. I can't. Well, yeah, you can. Yeah. Nobody owns it. <laughs> yeah. You know. When you say that you had a baking tutorial or you made one, the first thing that came to my mind was that your tutorial probably has like 60 pages and 300 photos, <laughs> something. <laughs> so, oh, hush, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> If we are talking about sharing those informations that may bring a little bit more people or a little bit more good to this community, it's for good, I guess. But it it depends on the mindset of the author or the teacher or someone who invented this part. But maybe 
you know, I like the book still like an artist, I guess. And, you know, as the author writes in the book, everything was already invented and we are just doing it a little bit differently or a little bit better, or you just take inspiration from another medium or technique. So I really like thinking in this way. And I like the idea that, for example, that we don't, we don't own anything, you know, like when you focus on own, owning something, then your mindset is like, this is mine and I don't want anyone to steal that or do the same. But when you are open to that and when your mi- mindset is like, I'm happy to share that because I know that I do it in my own way. Nobody can copy it in the 100% same way as I do. Your mindset is completely different. And I believe that this is for good. For the most part, I agree. I, I agree for the most part. I, I would like to see more openness. Um, I, I do think that there's always the caveat that I need to, that I feel like I need to say that yeah. we do need to respect exactly. other people's um intellectual property but um you know just because uh, you know when we talk about a free a share a free sharing of ideas that doesn't mean that you can just go out and republish their ideas that's yeah that's not quite right but but um i understand and i i agree with you in in generally absolutely there need to be the respect right for Mm -hmm. anybody's work but also being the open person to you well i think respect is the key word here and you know that's that's it's not unique to polymer clay that there's a respect problem in our world <laughs> so, a tricky conversation again yeah there, there is a lot to say about that but i i'm so happy that we spoke about so many different topics but there may be, might be some people who are wondering where they can find you. But do you have something you really, you are really proud of in these days or something you have just created and you would like to share? Actually, yeah. Um, when you're new to my website, uh, please feel free to read up on all the free information that's there. But as we've spoken, the world is changing a little bit. And I'm finding the need to um, focus my time a little bit better. And one of the things, one of the, I've done a lot of thinking about how to do this. And the solution that I came up with was to create a membership program. And it's called Blue Bottle Insiders. And it is a separate section of my website. And it is members only. It's a membership uh, member supported, kind of like a Patreon. Um, so there's a monthly fee. And it is, uh, there's an article library where I uh, write articles, you know, just just similar to the ones that you're used to seeing from me. Um, I, but I'm going to be saving the juicier ones for insiders. There's also a um, community sort of like Facebook, but without the Facebook problem. So no algorithms mm-hmm. or crazy people, uh, no ads. And um, so that's growing and doing really well. There's also Ginger Unfiltered, which is what I decided to call it. And that is just me. That's something, yeah, I would like to ask about it because when I first saw that, I was like, does it mean that Ginger is an influencer right now. So what can people expect from No, I am not an influencer. (laughs) I will never be an influencer because I am always going to be my, I work for the polymer clay community because I, I believe that that information and knowledge is our most valuable, our most valuable commodity. And Therefore, I think it's more important to be accurate and fair and give good information. I am not influenced yeah. by um, by anyone. So when someone sends me clay, they know that I'm going to say what I want to say about it. And I'm going to say about another company, you know, whatever. One of the things that frustrates me about the influencer culture 
is that the consumer loses because the consumer only learns about the aspects of something that make that product look good. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot more to polymer clay than what can be done with one clay product. And there's there's just a lot to it. So I think I I think that it's important to be more holistic, which is what I do. And that's why I'm not an influencer at all. I'm happy that you talk about it because for me, in my case, like working and publishing the magazine and being a part of the community is really important to be open to everyone who would like to cooperate to any kind of company where we might find some, you know, same values and to you know, different projects. And I think that being someone who gets, let's say, paid for an advertisement or being ambassador of some brand, that may be great for some time. But in your position, and I think in my, it's very same, we need to be open to the world community to be sure that our opinion and the things we share are, you know, truthful and based on what we truly think and that makes the difference because then the audience can trust you in a very different way than when you just see you know paid advertisement or something in cooperation with where you get paid for the item so do you agree that this is exactly not the way that you would like to go in the future It's not the way that I want to go. I'm not saying that it doesn't work for other people, but no, I don't want to be an influencer. And because I'm not being paid by any companies and because I most of the time have to pay for all the products yeah. that I that I that I feature and use. Yeah. Um I mean, I spent a lot of money on clay. Yeah. <laughs> and um because of that, Um, because I'm not being supported by that, that means I have to find ways to support myself. And one of the things, that's one of the things I wanted to do with this Insiders, mm-hmm. is I wanted to it to be like a patron membership type thing where people could support me in what I do. And I will give my best of myself to my readers within Insiders. Thank you so much, Ginger, for being a part of our very first podcast. I think we can make a tradition from that. It would be really cool to meet with you every single year in the same day and yeah, and talk about the difference and what's going on and news in the polymer clay world. I'm really grateful that you are a part of this and I really hope that people and those who are listening to this podcast will go and find you on Instagram or social media or your own platforms and will connect with you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.